Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I am in the car of Steve Bays. He's in a band called Mounties. I have another member of the band here with me in this car. I'd love it if each of you could introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Steve. Hey, I'm Hoxley in Steve's back of Steve's car. Supergroup is a word that's used to describe you guys a lot. I thought that each of you could talk about another member in the band and why they were well-known and successful before they came to the band Mounties. Keep in mind, most people listening to my show were born in 1994. Okay. Um, So for all of you born in the 90s, shame on you. Um, You missed a whole wicked decade called the 80s where there was a band called AHA and Smiths and Timbuk3 and all these other ones. Anyways... (laughs) But we were also part of music history in our own small ways because Ryan Dahl, the youngest son of of a German immigrant in Saskatchewan, raised three tough punk-ass boys to be in bands, and they were a cover band in the 80s. And then Ryan Dahl became... Um, he became a guy who, with his brother, started a band called Age of Electric, which had... Lots of big hits in Canada, and when I was in high school, I used to watch Ryan Dahl on TV. And then he started another cool band called Limblifter, and they had a huge song called Ariel vs. Lotus, which is one of the greatest rock and roll bass lines ever, A, composed, B, recorded. Oh, and our band also has a guy named Steve Bass, who, not to mention his like ancient history with being a promoter of punk shows and being a hardcore arts guy in general but he also just decided to start a little band called hot hot heat which was allowed a whole bunch of other bands to copy his band to to make money so he's helped a lot of guys get rich off a sound he invented himself for his band hot hot heat and i am called hoxie workman and i um write songs and i've written songs and made videos and done concerts for almost 16 years and all this happened way 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 long ago before you in the 90s were ever born but trust us we were keeping it real for you guys just knowing that you were on you're coming you're coming on your way so this is why mounties are called a supergroup now let's hear some music by mounties we're going to hear headphones, so can I get one of you guys to say one sentence about this song? It's a wicked song if you like to dance. It's a wicked song if you like to prance.
Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard headphones off the record thrash rock legacy by a band called Mounties. I've got two of the three founding members of the band here in a car with me. Guys, I would love it if maybe Steve could say a few words about this track. I was super into the idea of trading my garbage stereo in for a Marantz with old speakers because uh, you can buy beautiful old hi-fis for super cheap now. Um, So I got this hi-fi and I was really big into 70s hi-fi and then while we were jamming and recording Ryan said, hey guys, put your headphones on. So what we do is we we just drink some wine and we go and jam and record and then we just freestyle lyrics over top of it. So at the beginning of this chunk of a 20 minute jam I heard Ryan say headphones so I just kind of started riffing on the headphones thing and combined it with 70s hi-fi and then Hoxley just started riffing on top of that and the song came together in about an hour and then we uh it was the first one that we I had the files for so I because we finished it in Ryan's room we recorded in a big room down the hall from our two studios then did the vocals in Ryan's room then I then he gave me the files and I went and mixed it super quickly and then Hoxley tweeted about it and uh, next thing we knew it was on the radio and was uh, top 10 I guess Legend has it that Mounties this collaboration started backstage at the 2009 Junos. First of all I'd love one of you to set the scene briefly on what it's like to be backstage and what conversations you would typically have at an award show like this I love how you you said briefly because you're now you're getting the sense of what it's like to hang out with us that it's a wordy venture but well the cool thing about festivals those kinds of like award nights most Canadian musicians are so busy that you never get to see your Canadian musician pals except for these like brief moments we were just backstage fueled by wine and talking about how wicked it would be to, to start a band someday I don't know why even now in hindsight I don't know quite even what led that conversation along do you? I I was just stoked to hang with you because I always liked your, your music. So I remember when you came to town, we would hang out and drink wines and stuff. So it was kind of a, a hang thing first. So I started a fair bit with other people, but then as soon as I jammed with Hoxley, it was like, whoa, this is crazy. As we've established, you guys were very successful in previous careers. So when you came together and started writing, that must have been a great advantage to be working with people who are successful or who have accomplished a lot in their career. But it also must have been a little bit of a disadvantage because there might be personality clashes, not in a bad way, but just in, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing, Mm. that kind of way. So I would love to hear one advantage and one disadvantage of this new working relationship. It's beautiful to find these creative souls and to have a very youthful like uh, reintroduction to music and then I think on the other side is all three of us are maybe fueled too a little bit by the expectation of disappointment because we all have had so much of it in our careers you know like I definitely feel like none of us expect any miracles like you do when you're young and starting out right is that wrong am I wrong Steve no you're dead on that's yeah, uh, expectation management is already in place, and uh, just work habits are already in place, you know, with organization and emails, and uh, I'm not worried that Hoxley's going to all of a sudden develop a 
convenient little heroin habit or something you know like there isn't there's sometimes you see that with new bands um they start off great and then they they feel the trajectory of their band's uh you know temporary success and they see it going all the way to arena status and there's egos and there's all this weird bizarre stuff with this band there's not really any ego it's just we were just talking about that today like it doesn't make sense in some ways because we get that question a lot like well it must be pretty like crazy having these three front men in a band and there's just no weirdness or ego stuff at all is there or am i just not privy no, to it there's, there's, there just isn't time we just want to be efficient and make as much cool music as we have time to do because we don't actually get a lot of time together because yeah. we don't all live together so the thought of n- not jamming on a song in, and instead talking about you know some sort of ego-based garbage it's it's just not going to happen so yeah there's just i think there's a lot less bullshit and um less headaches all right let's play another track i'm gonna play pretty respectable i would love it if one of you could say one sentence about this song as i bring it up pretty respectable the song we made the song we played a song we hope to trade for a better day and the first song we ever wrote was day one of our game. was it yeah in, in ryan's room yeah it was the first thing we, we just sat down
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Pretty Respectable by a band called Mounties off their debut record, Thrash Rock Legacy. I am sitting in the car of Steve Bays, one of the members of this band, asking them questions. I would love to talk a little bit more about Mounties' writing process. We basically improvise pop music off the floor. So we sit at our instruments with a couple glasses of wine and make sure that the the tape is is rolling and recording and so we just start making hooks off kind of out of jams like the whole Mounties experience is very non-cerebral in some ways it's just more guttural I think you know like we sort of we yeah like all yeah, the if, if I feel like my brain is engaged then I do whatever I have to do to shut it down you know yes like it's it's the brain gets in the way I th- I think it's a great tool to get you off the ground and get you into the air. So it's more about the fact that there's a feeling of safety in the room. So you can do or say anything and play anything, and these guys will give you the benefit of the, of the doubt always and just roll with it. And I'm also the kind of guy where if I if I hear a great guitar riff, you know, which re- everything Ryan plays, I just want to hum a melody over. Or if I hear a great drum beat, I instantly want to play a keyboard riff over it. So it's just constant catalyst after catalyst after catalyst. I was reading a review of your record. They were not talking about you, but they were talking about supergroups in general. They were saying supergroups can have a tendency to add up to less than the sum of their parts, leaving the stars involved sounding like a lesser version of themselves. I'd love you guys to take a supergroup that you might have loved or wanted to love, but didn't work, and then tell me why. I'm trying to think of the the only supergroup disappointment I can think of was... uh, that one with the with the the Taylor brothers from Duran Duran, um, and they did uh, uh, what was it? What was it called? It's from the eighties. Your listeners are all born in the nineties, so uh, can you think of a? Oh, um, I wasn't particularly fond of Audio Slave. You know that was. Yeah, uh, I loved that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I love the sound. It's so huge. Yeah, maybe maybe that was maybe that is a good example actually still. So how about why it didn't work for Steve, but why it did work for Hawksley? Oh, yeah, well, I th- for me, a lo- with Audio Slave, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's it was recorded in a studio that I know the sound of the room in really well, so it's like there's a little bit of nostalgia. But also, kind of like with the Foo Fighters, like you just don't, because of the music business being the way it is and, and like record budgets being what they are, we don't get to hear like these like huge budget, rock albums much anymore we sort of hear like we hear budget kind of budget recordings and so with audio slave you hear the sound of what you know having a million dollar record budget sounds like to get the best studio and all the best techs and the best mixers and you just don't get to hear that kind of power american power rock that often i think i was tainted on that one because it leaked early before it was mixed properly so my experience of that album was the original leak before the album was done Because I do remember watching the videos, like the one with the fireworks. That was pretty uh, spectacular. So for those who don't know, who is Audio Slave? Uh, it was... Um, some of the guys from Rage Against, Against the Machine, and then some of the guys from Soundgarden? Is that what it was? Singer of Soundgarden, the guitar player of Rage Against the Machine, and the drummer from... Paul Anka's touring outfit. <laughs> No. I was going to say the Spin Doctors. <laughs> uh, 
All right, I think that I'm going to play another song. Let's listen to Tokyo Summer. Who would like to say something about this one as the music comes on? Steve Bay said that he wanted to write a song that felt like Japanese, and so we just did. Hazy, like a Tokyo summer. I've been hanging with you everywhere. I'm a blanket in This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Tokyo Summer by Mounties. I have Hoxley and Steve in Steve's car. I'd love it if, Steve, you could say something about this track. The way we, do, the way we work is we set up in the morning, and then we go for sushi, and then we come back and um, try and turn off our brains and get into the music. But right before we left for lunch, after we set up all the gear and all the mics, Ryan said, well, let's just, let's just hit record and just jam. You know, We hadn't had coffee yet or anything. We were just kind of cranky and... We were in technical mode, just setting it up. So let's just jam for a second. I was like, okay, okay. Um, begrudgingly, we just jammed sluggishly, and maybe that explains why it's a bit of a slower groove. But the keyboard melody, which ended up informing um, a lot of the vocals as well, I think, just it was literally the first thing played. And it was just all black keys, and it's just the sound of being lazy, really, on the keyboards. But... Uh, it was the first thing played, and we just kind of put our instruments down and said, oh, that's pretty cool. Mounties, you guys have gone on record saying that all the songs start as a jam with a box of wine. I want to know, what type of wine are you drinking? The real topic is Farnese. Farnese, and don't drink their Sangiovese. It tastes like 
dusty basement candles. It's terrible. But their Montepulciano is really for the cheap of the cheap. It's, it's basically is it your the best. Red or purple one? It's the purple, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't. Yeah, that's right. Don't get the red one. Get the like the darker label. The red one will serve you wrong. The the darker label will serve you right. I was reading an interview with you guys, and Hawksley gave this advice to other musicians in their thirties. He said, "I recommend to any thirty-something Canadian indie rock guy just to keep calling weirdos up and asking if they've got some collaboration to do." So. <laughs> like that question. It's true. It's true. It's good advice. So if a supervillain went back in time and stopped the Mounties from getting together in 2009, I would like to know from each of you, one guy, one weirdo, you would call up and want to collaborate with and, of course, why you would call this individual. Uh, From Canada? Sure. I really loved the Unicorns a lot um although nick's got a, it seems like he's got a bit of a bad attitude so maybe not nick <laughs> but the other two guys the drummer jamie was really cool and the guitar player maybe the two of those guys and then if nick was like really polite um i would i would jam would have jammed with him too but these guys are just ryan and hawk are so sweet and so uh their etiquette is so good i just i'm a sucker for polite people so Light is awesome. And remember, this is if someone went back in time and stopped you guys from collaborating. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd hate that guy who stopped us. It's it's tricky when you meet your heroes, but I got to sort of know one of my heroes, and, and I, which is Bruce Coburn. And I would still say that Bruce Coburn would be my, like, reach if I wanted to do some new kind of collaboration. I actually think Bruce should do something with Mounties. I really feel that strong. And I just sort of feel like we're, like, we're meant to cross paths. Yeah, I agree. I think that that has to happen before we die. Um, and it, originally, before Parker Bosley ended up playing bass with us, we genuinely had a plan to ask Getty Lee to be our bass player because we just figured he, you know, he's not on tour all the time. He's probably curious what it would be like to collaborate with someone else, maybe take some of the pressure off from writing just be a hired gun you know but Parker's a bit sexier maybe than Getty Lee uh, a little signif- bit significantly so I'd say is being sexy a quality you look for in a bandmate we're all older guys so to have this young guy on stage just makes us feel young you know is that cr- is that bad no, to admit t- no it's totally like, I mean I, we all feel young at heart but something about a youthful you know, when he just discovers a new Prince song or something, you know, it gets us really excited. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's Maybe it's not a sexiness thing. That's kind of a gross word. But um, he does have a really interesting energy, which I think brings a lot to I mean, a live show. I sort of find with musicians in general, like the musician who's got the sexy vibe, like it's hard to... Exp- no, it's not necessarily hard to explain. It's just that... I sort of expect an innate sexiness from musicians who are really great because music in and of itself is kind of a sexual expression. So you kind of have to have your sexiness dialed in. And that's not like Disney Disney sex, like what is sold to us, you know, from the United States. It's more like the real sex, which is like people who understand the grit of life and kind of have... Um, you know, a joy of living in, in their own particular way. Like, it's the kind of sexiness that makes you into a good musician. All right, Mounties, thank you very much for spending some time with me in your car 
at the end of the show, <laughs> I like the band to pick one of their songs and play it. In this case, I'm going to pick the song. I'm going to pick Waking Up On Time. That's one of my favorites off this record. So, who would like to talk about this one? Waking Up On Time. It's a heavy beat, down-tempo, but uplifting vibes and Morrissey-esque lyrics. And it features the word glib. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hi, my name is Chicka Chicka Steve Bays, and you're listening to the... Interview, interview show. Interview show with Scott Wood. What would you do? 